0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our uh, service this morning. It's our pleasure to welcome Reverend Kenny Cloud, I. McLeod, who will be preaching both this morning and this evening. We look forward to Kenny uh, leading us in worship and pray for God's blessing upon his ministry today. Well, we send a very warm welcome to everybody this morning as we begin to worship God, and we pray that we will know the riches of his grace throughout our time of worship. Let us bow in prayer. <clears throat> O Lord, as we gather before you today, we give thanks that we were able to sing there of your greatness and the extent of your mercy. We pray, O Lord, that our own minds might be focused upon you because we know how easily it is to be distracted. We give thanks, Lord, for your day. It's wonderful to have this day that is set aside from all the other days, a day where our focus can be more upon you and where we are able to meet with you as we do just now. Lord, we give thanks for this wonderful privilege and the promise that you have given, that even where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're there in the midst. And we pray today, as we've all gathered here, that we might be conscious of your presence, of your nearness, of your guidance, and of your love. We give thanks, Lord, for the display of love, a love which is beyond our understanding. There are times we try to to figure out in our own minds just the the whole extent of the Father's love and the Son's love and the love of the Spirit and in the whole way of salvation. And sometimes we have to say, like the psalmist said, such knowledge is too strange for me, it's too high to understand. Although we believe it and we rest in it, yet we have to confess there are times that We struggle just to lay hold upon the enormity of it all. But we pray, O Lord, that you'll be gracious to us and patient with us, because so often, even as we look at our own lives, we let ourselves down. How much more we must let you down. And we pray that you will help us each day to walk in a right way. Pray your blessing upon us as we meet for the first Lord's Day of a new year. And we give thanks, Lord, for all the blessings as we reflect on the past and the way that you have guided us and kept us all these days. And although as we look back there are undoubtedly sorrows and sadnesses, there are losses and pains, yet you have always remained faithful to us. And we give thanks, O Lord, for that. And as we move out into this year and We seek your blessing on us. We pray that you will guide us and lead us in the right way, that you will be merciful to us and forgive us our constant sin. We pray, Lord, that you will bless this congregation and its witness in the community here. Lord, we give thanks for it and for David and for uh, his family and for the whole team that work here. We give thanks, Lord, for all the involvement of so many different people because for our congregation to work, There have to be so many people working, some work behind the scenes and in less prominent places and areas and others. But every service to you is noted, and every service to you will receive its own reward. And we give thanks, O Lord, that even a cup of water given in your name will receive its reward. And so we pray that you will be with each and every one of us today, and that you'll grant us your grace as we wait upon you we pray lord that you will bless this community and bless our islands we pray we pray that you'll open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing upon us not according to our deserving but according to the riches of your grace and mercy lord that you'll touch hearts that so far have uh, remained stubborn and unmoved under the gospel that the, your spirit will penetrate into hearts that so far are steel-like almost against the gospel, and that you'll bring us softening so that people will be ready to hear and ready to believe and ready to follow the Lord. Grant us your grace, then, we pray, in all that we're about. Bless your word as we've sung it and will be reading it and thinking upon it for a little. Lord, may your word become ever more precious to us. May we see it as a rule of our life. May we see it as the joy that lifts us up. May we find constant support and guidance from it. And may you make your word a delight to our hearts. Pray your blessing upon us as a nation. We have to confess that we wandered so, so far away from you, that we don't want to know you and we don't want to hear about you. That is so often the way of our land. But despite where we are and where we, how far we've gone, O oh Lord, still be merciful to us. Grant wisdom to all our leaders, whether that be at Westminster or Holyrood or locally here in the council. And even those who don't seek you or acknowledge you, we pray that you will give divine wisdom because if we're left purely to the wisdom of men and women, it will not do us any good. And so we pray that that heavenly wisdom will be given and imparted to our our leaders and those in authority. We give thanks, Lord, for all your people in places of prominence and places of influence in our land. And there is much good that goes on that maybe we're not aware of or that never makes the news. But we give thanks, Lord, for everything that is done in your name and everything that is done in a right way. Pray to bless this world that we're part of and all the nations of this world. And we remember the places of conflict and Every day we put on our news bulletins, it's so depressing, and where we see war and rumour of war, where we see hostilities, the day we're living in where the media reports can be so real, so graphic, so up-to-date, that we're entering into these things in a way that previous generations weren't able to comprehend or understand. And so we pray that it might please you to bring peace, that this might be a year where where more peace will be brought to bear. And so we ask, Lord, for those who suffer today and those who are going through just the, the horrors that we can't comprehend. Pray, Lord, for those who mourn, those who have lost loved ones. We pray for healing and help to broken hearts. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with those who are unwell and ask that you'll be near to them. Pray for those who are old in age and no longer able to get out. We give thanks for all the caring that goes on in our communities. We pray for carers and we pray for those that they care for. We ask, Lord, now that you will watch over us and keep us and do us good and take away from us our every sin, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> now we're going to read in John's Gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, and we're going to read from Verse 19 through to verse 42, John chapter 1, reading at verse 19. <clears throat> and this is a testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? Elijah. And it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word let's turn again for a little to the chapter we read in john's gospel chapter one we read from verse 35 the next day again john was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at jesus as he walked by and said behold the lamb of god the two disciples heard him say this and they followed jesus jesus turned and saw them following and said to him what are you seeking He said to him Rabbi which means teacher where are you staying he said to them come and see so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour it's uh, great to have a testimony and every Christian has a testimony (coughs) people enjoy testimony meetings hearing about how the Lord worked in them of course, people have, some people have extraordinary testimonies, uh, in particularly in the way that God <laughs> kept them before they came to faith. One of the most remarkable that I ever heard was a man in Ness, a presenter there, uh, Callum McLeod, uh, Callum Nuiki, uh, this uh, by name uh, he had, and he was lined up to be shot in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, and some were shot, he wasn't. And he wasn't a believer at the time. So when he was talking about how the way the Lord preserved, you say to yourself, well, there's not many people who could enter into something as powerful or as radical as that. But everybody is a testimony. But a testimony isn't just a matter of how we come to faith. A testimony is a matter of not just coming to faith, but our journey of faith. Because a journey to faith... It's just the very beginning. Afterwards, it's a journey of faith. So, we all, every believer, has a testimony. And I hope if there's anybody here today who has not yet come to faith in Jesus, that it won't be too long till you too will have a testimony. Because it's a wonderful, great thing to be able to share what the Lord has done in you and for you. Now, John shows something. Very clear here about testimony because of the verse 19 it tells us, and this is the testimony of John. Now, the main thing in John's testimony is that his testimony is pointing to Jesus, and at the end of the day, that's what every testimony should be about. It's not really about us, we can't help but speak about us because we're giving uh, about ourselves because we're giving our testimony. But ultimately it is about Christ, about what the Lord has done, who he is, what we have come to discover of him, the way he continues to work within our lives. And so while John is giving something of his own personal testimony as regarding who he is, his main focus in this testimony is of course pointing to Jesus. So John bears testimony of himself, and the reason that he does that is because a delegation has come uh, from the Jewish religious leaders to investigate, who is who are you? Because John was on everybody's names. His, his ministry was capturing the attention of the whole nation. They were keen to find out, who are you? Because he didn't come through the, the normal like rabbinical schools or all that. He didn't come the normal way that the religious leaders came. But they could all see this man as an authority about him. This man is different. This man is a religious man. He's a good man. So they're wanting to find out, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you one of the prophets? Who who are you? And so uh, John bears very clear testimony to himself, and he says very simply, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He's here quoting, of course, from Isaiah. And how true it is that John talks here about a wilderness. Making straight the way of the Lord in a wilderness. Because that's where we are. We're in a wilderness. It wasn't a wilderness that God created at the beginning. It was a beautiful garden. We turned it into a wilderness. Because we were tied into Adam and when adam and eve sinned they plunged as we know this whole world into a wilderness that's why that we're told in romans that the creation groans god didn't make it a groaning creation but because of the fall the fall didn't just affect you and me it affected everything that's we see it with the earthquakes the tsunamis and volcanoes and but that's why it says that the whole creation is groaning. And that is as a result of sin. It affected everything. And so, the, as we say, God made in the, in the original, he made a beautiful garden. But we know of Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden and they couldn't find their way back in because there was a, an angel with a flaming sword guarding entrance back to the garden. And the wonderful thing is that just as Adam and Eve couldn't get back into the garden, at the end of the day, when the Lord takes his people to glory, just as Adam and Eve couldn't get in, those in glory will never be able to get out. It's a dwelling place. That's why Jesus says, I go to make, I go to prepare a place for you, a dwelling place, a place forever. And that's one of the wonderful things is that there will be no exclusions from heaven. Nobody thrown out. Once you're in, you're in forever. It's a wonderful a wonderful concept, a wonderful truth that the scripture tells us. Now as John is here and he's witnessing about Jesus, he says many great things and he, he continues on. We find John's own testimony uh, again uh, further on. In in chapter 3 and so on. And one of the things that that John said about Jesus and about himself is something that we all ought to discover. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that is so true within our own lives. Uh, Because one of the ways that we see the Lord increasing is when we would see the answer to the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. We pray that, Lord, may your kingdom come. We want God's kingdom to come, its influence, its power to be discovered throughout the whole land and in our own community. When we pray that, and you know, we should pray, I know we were taught the Lord's Prayer, we should actually pray the Lord's Prayer every day and use it as a base for our own prayer because all the different petitions and requests and thoughts in it should lead us into other areas and it's a wonderful prayer and your kingdom come we want the lord's kingdom to come within our own heart in other words that the lord's the lord <clears throat> would grow his spirit would work in our hearts so that we would grow more and more and that's what john is saying for the increase to be in his own life of the lord and at the same time that he would decrease. And the two go together. We will always decrease as the Lord increases within us. In other words, when, when we decrease, we become humble before the Lord. Now, humility is not something that you just put on. You know, that some people think that I better look humble. And they say, I, and I don't know how you're supposed to look humble. They think, well, I better put on a particular kind of pose of humility. That, that, that's not humility. We can't just adopt a position or a, a, a look of humility. In fact, that's offensive before God. That's not humility. <laughs> humility is where we begin to see less and less of ourselves and more and more of the Lord. And the more we see of the Lord, the less we think of ourselves. The more we see of the Lord, the more we're liable to like, fall down before him. You see these men in the, in the scripture, people like uh, uh, you see Abraham and uh, Daniel and John and all these people. When they got a glimpse of the Lord, they fell down before him. His glory was so great. And that's what we need to be seeking in and for ourselves is that we will see more and more of the, the, the wonder and the, and the glory of the Lord. Because this, that is where real true humility comes from. Anyway, the next day, uh, John he he's uh, here and he sees Jesus coming, and John bears witness or testimony about Jesus. Now, supposing John never said anything else in his life, but what he says first of all in verse twenty-nine, and then he says it again uh, in 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 verse thirty-five, or thir- uh, yeah, in verse thirty-five. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If that's all John ever said, what a ministry in itself that would be. Because that is the most wonderful statement to make. When you think about it, the sacrificial lamb uh, take away the sin of the world. Now when John said that, we see the scope of it. The world, not just the locality where Jesus was, not just at the time that Jesus lived in the, on the, on the, in the world, but all the time, throughout every generation, throughout the whole world. And it's ongoing to this very day throughout the nations of this world. This great truth is taking place. Behold, the Lamb of God today. In Russia and China and Africa and different parts of this world, people are beholding the Lamb of God. They are seeing him and he's taking away their sin. That's got, it's an ongoing. It's happening. We pray it will happen here today as well. That someone or some will be able to see the Lamb of God as the one who takes away the sin of the world and is able to take away my sin too. And again, when you think the sin of the world it talks here of all sin, every type of sin, all manner of sin. Every When you think about, it, just look into your own life and look into what you've done, what you say, what you think. You and I all know we have a cesspool of thought that's in there that's sometimes frightening. Have you ever been frightened by the thoughts you have? They just come from nowhere. I know sometimes Satan can, with his arrows just fire darts in and all of a sudden you get the most awful thoughts and I believe sometimes these are satanic but we mustn't blame Satan all the time because all sin, manner of sin is deep within our own selves and sometimes when we we come to have a wee glimpse of that but as we said the Lord is able to wipe it all clean just like as we were saying to the young folk about the shore just wash away all sin so this is what what uh, uh, John is proclaiming here about Jesus as the Lamb of God. Now it tells us again, he, and the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And we see there that two of John's disciples who were follow, following John, one of them was Andrew and we believe the other was the writer of this gospel himself, John. They turn and they go and they follow Jesus. They leave John, and off they go to follow Jesus. Now, some people may say, oh, that that was hard on John. Man, that's showing a total lack of loyalty and disregard to John. Surely John would be hurt about it. No. John wasn't in the business of building up a following for himself. His whole ministry, his whole work was pointing to Jesus. He was wanting everybody to follow Jesus. So it ought to always be in the work of the gospel. We are never, ever, ever in the work of the gospel for ourselves, for our own glory. It doesn't matter at what level, because everybody is working in the gospel, yeah, it can be preaching, but we can be, there's 101 things within ministry. And whatever we're doing, we must never be doing it for ego or for self or for self-promotion or for a pat on the back or anything of that. It is always to and for the Lord. And that's what John, John wasn't somebody who was saying, oh, come on, look at them. John, Andrew, where are you going? He was delighted that they went off to, to follow Jesus. It's part of what John, John had been saying. He must increase, I must decrease. And of course, this is a great message that John was proclaiming. Jesus himself said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to me. That, of course, he was speaking about as His uh, crucifixion and all that that was to involve. But it's what we're about every Lord's day is preaching Christ crucified. I, if I be lifted up, we're wanting to lift Christ up so that people will see him and believe him, uh, believe in him. So, John's message behold the Lamb of God. But you know, the encouraging thing here is that John said in verse 29, one day, Jesus coming, behold the Lamb of God. Here's the next day, and John says exactly the same thing as he walked by, behold the Lamb of God. It doesn't tell us the first day that anybody began to follow Jesus. But it's the next day, as John gives the same message, we find these two people get up and follow Jesus. What an encouragement to us. Because, you know, sometimes... We can preach the same message over and over. And it is, although we preach different texts and different themes, it is the one message at the heart of it. And sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes things do happen. But here's an encouragement that one day John gives a message, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. doesn't tell us that anybody was moved, anybody was stirred, anybody got up to follow Jesus. The next day, exact same message. And we find a response. So that's an encouragement. It doesn't matter what work you're doing. You might be working in Sunday school. You might be working in youth. You might be working with old people. You might be witnessing in whatever. Maybe you have witnessed all your life and you haven't seen anything come of it. You don't know. I believe that's going to be one of the great surprises on the great day. And the reason I believe that is because when the Lord gives us this picture of giving the, the well-dones to people. And he's saying to them, you know, you did this and you did that and you did the next thing. When I was cold, you f- when I was hungry, you fed me. When-. And go, what do they say? Where, when did we do these things? And I say, well, as much as you did it to one of the least, of the, my brother, you did it as unto me. So I think on the great day, there's going to be a lot of great surprises where we find that sometimes when we ploughed away and witnessed and worked and nothing seemed to be happening, on that great day we'll discover, yes, there were things happening. And the Lord will make clear to us what was happening. So it's a great great encouragement for us uh, to, to keep going in this. But again, what's so encouraging is that we find... Uh, we're jumping on a wee bit here, but that Andrew, who was one of the two who responded to the message of John and got up to follow Jesus, uh, what did he do after he had spent time with Jesus? One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. See the knock-on effect. Andrew finds this is the Messiah. What does he do? He can't wait to go and find his brother. Convinces his brother, come with me and see in Jesus. He, Peter comes and meets with Jesus. One leads one. Now fast forward three years. This man, Peter, who became a leader amongst the, the, the apostles. And you watch Peter preach. And thousands come to faith through his preaching at remember at Pentecost. It all began with John bearing testimony to Jesus, Andrew hearing, going to get his brother Peter. Three years forward, thousands have come to faith. It all begins just with one. And that's so encouraging, because here we're seeing, we're able through in the Word just to see the great, the great spread of the gospel, the great power that follows it. And so I'm sure Andrew would never have thought that day that how it was going to unfold. And then Jesus turns to them, as the, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? Isn't this thing, Jesus asked, what are you seeking? Not who are you seeking? Well, it was obvious who they were seeking. They were seeking Jesus. They were seeking because they wanted to be with him. But he's asking, what are you seeking? And you know, I think that's one of the most important questions that the Lord asks us. And he's asking us this today. What is it that you're seeking? What is it in life that you really want? What is it that makes you tick what is it that is right at the very heartbeat of who you are? Because often we don't really probe down and sort of think, "What? Okay, what? What? What am I about? Why? What is the driving force of my life?" Because something, something pushes us on. We don't just—we're not just drifting. Some days we drift a wee bit, to this and that. Don't think too much about it. Very often we're saying, "Right, what?" What is life really about? What's at the very source of my life? What's at the heartbeat of my life? What gives that impetus to my life? What is it I really want? Am I somebody and the main drive of my life is, I want money. That's that's what propels me on. Or is it I want power or I want influence. Or am my great goal is the pursuit of pleasure or, you know, there's lots of different things that that people, that sort of, it's at the at the very core of what they're about because it influences everything else that they do, really. So Jesus is asking them, what are you seeking? And so it's a question that only you can answer and only I can answer myself. What is it that we are really seeking in life? And obviously, the fact that they're following Jesus in itself speaks to us that it's Jesus, of course, that, that, they, that they want above all. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. Is Jesus first in our life? Is, is he the one that we are really seeking? Is he the one that, that we want? And can I say to you, if you don't have Jesus, you have no idea what you're missing in life. Because Jesus brings a new dimension and a new perspective to everything. You see things differently. You're the same person. Don't become somebody brand new in a sense. You retain your own personality. You retain your own identity. And all these things are part, become part and retain, remain part of your Christian life. But through it all, Lord is at work, and he's molding and shaping you and working in you and changing you bit by bit to become more and more like himself. But you know, without Christ, life, life just is not a full picture. Because, you see, we're spiritual beings, not just physical and mental. We're spiritual, and we need a spiritual satisfaction Peace, nourishment, because otherwise we're not complete. And I assure you, if you've never come to know the Lord, ask Him. It'll make a huge difference to your life, not only for now but for eternity. But when the Lord comes into your life, He changes everything. I remember when I was converted; even the even the very nature itself seemed different. Initially, everything, but it, there was a new, a new. I just got a new sense, even going out in a starry night, looking out, and I said, oh, my word. The Lord, you made all that. You made all these stars, and you, you number them. You know them. It's just It changes your whole way of thinking, of seeing things. And so that's why it's so important that we that we lay hold upon Jesus. the most important. He is the most important. That's why Jesus said of Mary, Mary hath chosen that good part which shall never be taken from her. And in response to the question, uh, Rabbi, they ask him, where are you staying? Uh, Jesus says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. And you know, that's one of the most wonderful things. And that's what I leave with you today. Jesus says, come and see. Do you know, a lot of people dismiss Christianity. And they, they dismiss because they have no knowledge of it. They've no knowledge of Christ, are not interested to find him, or know anything about him. But they dismiss, and that's a really, that's a very unfair thing. Because until you dismiss or you say, oh well, that he's not for me, you've got to, you've got to come and discover a bit about who this person is that you're ready to dismiss. And I would urge people who don't know anything of Jesus that you would start start in the Gospels, pick up the Gospel of Luke, and really begin to read through it, and the Gospel of John, and ask the Lord to open your heart so that you will see you know we can read the Bible from in i did I used to do that out of i suppose because of my upbringing and out of a sense of duty and maybe to salve a conscience. No matter how far away I was from God, most nights I tried to read a few verses. And it was no more than salving a conscience. But I often tried to read through the Bible. But you know, I never really saw anything in it. It's not until the Lord opened my eyes to see. And that's why we need to pray as we read. Lord, open my eyes to see. And the Lord, if you mean that prayer, the Lord will. He will open your eyes in order To see. And they went with Jesus. They came. They spent the day with Jesus. They saw. And what what an impact it had upon their lives. Here's this gospel writer John. He was one of the two. Andrew as we said who went. And he got his brother Peter. And we see what followed on from that. Well I hope today. That you too. Will come. And see Jesus for yourself. Let's pray. Lord our God, we pray that we may indeed see Jesus, that we will see him as the saviour who is there, the saviour who is there for me, and that we might be able to lay hold upon him. So often there are things in the way. Just like that, what do you seek? So often it is the things that we seek that keep us away from Jesus. Help us, Lord, to see that you are more important than all these other things that so often get in our way. Some of the things can be absolutely right and proper in their own way. And it's good even to be seeking some of these things, but not above and beyond Jesus. Help us then, Lord, to seek him first. And we're told, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. Bless us then, we pray and cleanse us from our every sin. In Jesus' name we ask all. Amen. Now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.